when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Folks, the wait is over. The drought is over. At long last, finally, Biscuits Colon, a hockey podcast, is back after nine days of silence. After being away from Sean for all this time, we are back. We are doing a podcast. And also, the Washington Capitals are in the Stanley Cup final. That's also a thing that happened. But most importantly, Biscuits is in your ears. And it's time to maybe rename the podcast again to something a little more appropriate. Like, for instance, Down Goes Brown, colon, a hockey profit, because at 2-0... Columbus was up 2-0 against the Caps. Tell him, tell him what you said, Sean. Dude, I don't want to. I don't want to steal your thunder. You, you did this. I did this. Two, two uh, Caps were down two nothing. Everybody was freaking out. They go into Game Three. It was overtime, and I said if they score the next goal, they are winning the Stanley Cup. And here we are. Here four, we are four wins away. You, I mean, I already know you're picking the in the Cup final. There's no point in even asking. But I, I seriously cannot believe how easily they won game seven man like I, I i thought they had a pretty good chance to win game seven because of the whole b vasilevsky matchup and how good they've been on the road and stuff but like I, it's over like the second of scored i'm just like eh, i don't know man i feel like this this is this isn't gonna happen for tampa and like like we can get into it but i just i just really think john cooper got inside his own brain and really got out coached by Barry Trotz in this series. Like I really think he, he relied way too much on uh, like uh, the Braden point line was the line that, that stifled the Patrice Bergeron line for, for five games. Ovechkin, Kuznetsov and Tom Wilson, you can argue is probably not as good a line as that line that Boston has. And 30 seconds in the game too, Tom Wilson scored on a, on a redirect to make it one, nothing. And John Cooper said, you know what? That's it. I need to play Chris Kunitz, Cedric Paquette, and Ryan Callahan all the time against these guys. And I get it. They scored two goals in Game 5. I still think that's the worst thing that could have happened for them in Game 5 because it made them think, well, now they can score, even though they hadn't scored against the goalie the entire postseason before that. And they, he just he just stopped. If he just rolls his lines for seven games, because from 1 to 12, Tampa's forwards were better. And I just, I just think he just got, he got lost in his head that you know I needed some more physicality against Tom Wilson and Ovechkin and all that. When you could have just put your best players out there more often, and, and I think that would have made the difference. But it's cool, it's cool. The Caps are going because I think, uh, I think we all know what's going to happen in the Stanley Cup Final. Even though I'm going to hold off on the prediction because I want to keep the people listening. But 
yeah, I was I'm still I'm still really surprised though that the Caps found a way to win four out of seven against Tampa. I gotta tell you, the view from inside the Capitals bandwagon. <laughs> we're we're having a good time. Yeah. There's lots of happy faces, lots of mm-hmm. lots of smiles, lots of celebrations, and we're trying to ignore the incessant pounding uh-huh. on uh-huh. the on the now closed and locked door to the bandwagon. Does anybody talk about me at all? They miss me? Is anyone the, saying my name? The, the whimpering oh. cries to be let back on the bandwagon and and your tear-stained face pressed against the window. I mean, I mean, we roll on. I, I, I built the bandwagon, though. I feel like you I should, built it. I feel like I it, should be able to just like pop in and be like, "Hey, what's up, guys? It's me. It's Dave. And remember me from the first month of the playoffs and before the playoffs? Remember me? I, 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 I put the steering wheel on. Remember the day I installed the steering wheel? Like, how come I can't? Do remember? We do remember. You were given a a <sighs> yeah. wide open invitation yeah. to rejoin the bandwagon. It's all John Cooper's fault. John Cooper screwed me. I can't believe that guy. I, I, I just can't believe You know, it's it's weirdly that, that he was, I mean, you, you talk about countering the physical approach to Tom Wilson. Apparently, all you have to do is, like, touch one of their jerseys, <laughs> and he'll just lose his mind and, you know, eat seven minutes in penalties. By the way, I'm convinced he fought Braden Coburn coming out of the box because he was so humiliated by the linesman ragdolling him for, like, 30 seconds that he needed to, like, go out there and, like, show his manliness immediately. And he won the fight, obviously. But, like, I just I think really if, if the linesman just holds him and doesn't, like, just toss him around like he was, like, a child, like, I think I think maybe that fight doesn't happen. That was... <laughs> it was incredible. Yeah. That, that was that was a very cool moment, and I, I love the, the stat that uh, somebody dug up. It was the first... First period fight in a game seven since 1990. Really? Like a, in, in, and you know, I, I shouldn't even have to say, but it was the Norris division final uh, because, of course, it was. But it was. Uh, wait, wait, tell me the teams and I'll try and guess the players. Ah, uh, man. Uh, it was, I want to say maybe St. Louis and Chicago. Mm. Have to. I don't really remember anybody on the 1989 90 Chicago Blackhawks roster, so I'm gonna pass on that. I don't really know who, yeah. Who it no, be. it wasn't, it wasn't like a you know, like a Bob Probert, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, Basil McCray type, like classic Norris matchup. But now that you got me thinking about it, I'm trying to find the tweet, I'm trying to stall, trying to figure out where it was, and I'm um, just failing miserably. Here it is. What do you got? First time 1990 division final. Blackhawks and Blues, Greg Gilbert versus Glenn Featherstone. Glenn Featherstone. Oh, oh I miss Glenn yeah. Featherstone. That was a great, that's tough a, guy name. That's a really good name, Glenn Featherstone. Yeah. And then they named the receiver in um, Necessary Roughness, starring Scott Bakula, Featherstone. I wonder if that was like a little homage to him. May have been. May have been. He had terrible hands. He was a fast receiver that couldn't catch. That was his. That was his shtick <laughs> in the movie. I think that was his shtick in the movie. That was also the shtick of Orlando Jones and in, in the replacements. I wonder if that's just like the shtick in every football movie. The receiver who just can't catch, but he can run really fast. <laughs> wow. We just had a game seven. We're seven yeah. minutes into the podcast. <laughs> and we've gone this far off the... Who was a better quarterback, oh. Scott Bakula or Keanu Reeves? I don't know. We should we should discuss this for a little bit. Every Capitals fan has waited their whole lives to hear people say nice things about their team. and Instead, <laughs> it's a Glenn Featherstone career retrospective. Let me tell you my four favorite memories of Glenn Featherstone. <laughs> One, his name. That's pretty much it. <laughs> that's, that's, it. That's, that's all I got. 
Oh man, I you know what the, the I, I was surprised by a thing I was surprised by in Game Seven was how the Washington Capitals I think um, only took one penalty the whole game. Is that yeah? Yeah, one penalty. Very, very disciplined. It's amazing hockey how they they managed to do that. It's just a talented talented bunch of non reachers and non hookers and non interferers, non hookers, yeah. hooking people. Not like yep. I mean, just nobody. Well, it's just one of those games. Nobody was committing any penalties. Nobody mm-hmm. was you know like. Uh, just to pick a random example, like boarding people face first into the boards, or having seven guys on the ice for, yeah, for five seconds. By the way, that like that play should have totally been a penalty, absolutely. But like I, the thing nobody seemed to talk about, at least in the American broadcast, was how I think Brooks Orpik put himself in that spot, and I'm, I'm not blaming him, of course, but I think he put himself in that spot because he thought it was icing. Like I think he thought that play was icing, and he just stood there with the puck between his skates because he thought the play was over. Because like, Brooks Orpik would move that puck, he would because he had time yeah. to move it. There was a guy right to his left, and he got drilled because he thought it was icing. It still should have been we a penalty. Did, we but... did. We got a little bit of that in the Canadian uh, broadcast. God Nick Kipper was, was wow. sort of on on that and the whole protect yourself type of uh, type of thing that oh, nobody so we, else oh, so allowed we, to. So we did blame Brooks Orpik. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Well, a little. Bit. <sighs> so, Man. yeah, I mean the. That was like one of the most decisive game sevens we've seen in a while. Like, I mean, it wasn't, you know, this, this wasn't the, the wings beating the avalanche seven, nothing, but I mean that it, the, the most amazing part of that game to me is you go, you're going into the third period. It's three to nothing. You're the Tampa Bay lightning. You're on home ice. You're facing elimination. You're down three goals. The, the Tampa, Tampa Bay Lightning scored more goals this year than any team in, I think, the last eight years. Yeah. So they didn't just lead the league. They, they, this is one of the best offensive teams in, in a decade or more. And they go out there. Your season's on the line. You're down through. I mean, there's just, just go, guys. I mean, this is the time to just all out attack uh, and, and just go for it. And they don't get a shot on net. For the first 11 minutes of that period I, I mean that's amazing to me and and full credit to the the capitals because i like i feel like we we overdo the whole defense wins championships thing but certainly that i mean that's a part of it and if if the washington capitals can play that sort of shutdown hockey against a, you know what should have been a team that was perfectly set up to just just go all out offense. Yep. That's that's pretty impressive. This is this is a this is a good team. Second shift of the third period, they threw the Callahan line over the boards. Second shift because Ovechkin was out there. I I still, oh man, I don't know. Maybe that just bothers me more than other people. Because from what I understand, I haven't looked it up, but I feel like they've th- that line kind of held its own possession wise and that sort of thing. But I do, I still feel like they would dip. Kuznetsov and Ovechkin and Wilson were still getting pretty good chances. So just run your Braden point line out there. But I, I, I will I will push back on one one thought about it being decisive because it was one nothing. Ovechkin had scored a goal. We all could throw away our Ovechkin narratives for the for the day. And then he had a chance to make it two nothing. And I still don't understand the angles that the puck went where he had the whole sort of like top part of the net and he just kinda like shot it back across his body and like Vasilevsky gloved it. And after that, Hedman hit the post. A little redirect, I think it hit off Lars Zeller on the way and hit the post and went out the other side. And Yanni Gord, look, I get it, Brooks Orpik came back and kinda got a stick on his stick and everything, but like 
if you're if you're driving the net, like I'll give Ryan Callahan one one piece of credit was when he scored his goal when it hit his hand or whatever. Like he just went to the net like a like a wrecking ball. He's like the puck's gonna hit me, it's gonna go in. Yet Yanni Gord was kind of like going in, not necessarily as as strong as he should have. And if he does, the puck goes in. It's a different game. Um, Kalorn on the breakaway. Like once the Kalorn breakaway happened, and Holpe stopped that. It was like, yeah, I don't think Tampa's gonna do this, but. That's just how the Caps are playing. They're just playing counterpunch. They score first, man. They like the Capitals really remind me of like old Devils teams where they're just like once they get that first goal, it's like okay, you you try and get two on our goalie now. Our really good, awesome goalie through our 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 you know jungle, you know like defense here where you're gonna have to cut through all these vines and like then they can't do it. And if Tampa can't do it, I don't know how how Vegas is gonna our, do it. Our really good, awesome goalie. Who we didn't even play the first two games of the playoffs, <laughs> and who didn't have a shutout all season long, up until Game Six and Seven of the Conference Final. Saving it, just smart hockey. Yeah, exactly. Pick your spots. You got that. Was it beginning of the season? They're like, he's like, how many shutouts am I going to get this year? And they're like six. And he's like, I know when I'm going to use them. <laughs> oh man. Let's um, before we kind of move on to to Vegas and to the Cup final, and I, we should talk, I guess, about Vegas, uh, Winnipeg too, because that the uh, last time we spoke, that series was one one, and we all figured it was it was in for the long haul. What if anything do you do if you're Tampa right now? Because I've I've seen a few of the questions coming into the uh, from from the readers is like what's what's next? What do they do? Is this team broken? Is this something? You know, it, it, how do you react to? Oh, I think you fire blowing. John Cooper immediately. Yeah, yeah, I think you absolutely fire John Cooper. You have to. He, he's he's. I, I, I look. I I understand how in sports it's like a privilege to get as far as the Lightning have gotten in three of the past four years. And the one year they missed, they had injuries like crazy. But man, like I just I feel like tact- he reminds me of Dan Bilesmo a little bit tactically, where you're just like. Man, like you're you you've got so many talented, really good players. Like, what? Why is Dan Girardi out there more than Sergachev? Why? Why is that a thing that's happening? And you would think like John Cooper's new enough at this where he wouldn't be the kind of coach that falls into those patterns of just like playing the guy he's comfortable with, like Mike Babcock yeah. constantly playing Roman Polak. And I just, but you know, I mean, at the same me? time, I mean, Dan Girardi was a free agent. That his GM yeah. spent millions of dollars on Dan Girardi and I mean literally millions of dollars literally put him on the roster has I'm I'm just trying to think like when when was the last time a coach won 11 playoff games and got fired oh it's probably mm, well what about the Bosma losing the second round the year he got fired I forget because I mean he won a cup with the Penguins and then had like shaky years but those were Marc-Andre Fleury shaky years too but yeah like it uh, wasn't hmm conference finals and fired what about Laviolette? I mean, he he was fired like three games into the season by the Flyers, but I forget what he did the year before. I think they might have stunk the year before. Yeah, it doesn't happen. But I mean, yeah, it doesn't. I remember like Montreal fired their coach once after they had won the cup, but that was more of a conflict kind of kind of thing. I'm sure it has happened. I just I'd have to to think it, but it. I mean, it just kind of goes to the point of where expectations are. I mean, just kind of stepping back. I'm not, and I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you but i mean stepping back you, you got a team that missed the playoffs last year this year they make the playoffs win two rounds come within one game of playing for the stanley cup and you're talking about a coach potentially being fired and i don't i don't think it's 
out of the realm of possibility, which, you know, just kind of the latest weird thing in this league where, you know, so many coaches of terrible teams are, are safe. And yet this is what happens when you have higher expectations. I I guess my, my thing, if I'm, if I'm Tampa is, and, and my thing that I would say to Tampa fans is like, I like, I get it. It hurts. This, this stinks to, you know, especially to, to blow a three, two lead. You had two chances to to go to a final. Wait, what do you uh, what do you know but, about blowing a lead in the conference finals? Come on, you haven't been alive for anything good the Leafs have done. What do you? I've do you heard. Know? I've heard it would <laughs> like it. It feels like the sort of thing that would be unpleasant. <laughs> but I guess my message would be: look across the ice of the team that beat you. Right. It, you know, the Washington Capitals are kind of the poster child for not assuming that a window has closed and not assuming that you have to blow up a whole team, even though, you know, there were times where they, they maybe wanted to, uh, you know, Tampa is kind of where Washington was years ago in the sense that they still feel like they've got a, you know, this whole future in front of them. And the idea that you overreact to a loss and say, that's it where we can't win with this mix, you know, sometimes it's just a hard league to win in. And there's, there's three or four good teams in every, in both conferences every year and it's, it's going to go your way sometimes and sometimes it won't. So I, I, you know, there, there were plenty of times where people were screaming at the Capitals to trade Ovechkin or let him go back to the KHL or trade Backstrom or, you know, whatever. And sometimes patience, you know, whether it's patience by choice or patience by circumstance, Sometimes it pays off. So I, you know, I, that, that, I guess that would be my message to, to Tampa is, you know, this, I, I, I don't think you overreact to this. Here's, here's my, my, my complete thought on the situation is this Tampa roster is going to be the, pretty much the roster next year. I mean, everyone they pretty much picked up and trade. Ryan McDonough is back for another year. So your window is completely open with this group. And if you're Steve Eiserman and you feel like John Cooper doesn't have the touch or the finger on the pulse of of the team I mean obviously it's late in the game Joel Quenville is not available it's not like there's all these great coaches sitting around but you know who's going to be a free agent after the year Barry Trotz huh how great would that be Uh, he wins the cup with the caps and is like well you guys didn't want to give me an extension before this so you know what I'm going to go sign a five-year 25 million dollar deal with the lightning what's up with that and two like I, I I two things one is with Iserman I, I get what he's doing, but like like when when the Rangers won a cup in '94, they stocked up on like Oilers guys that had won a bunch of cups. And Steve Eiserman's like, you know what I'm going to stock up on is the Rangers guys who've never won yeah. the cup. And I can see how maybe that's not necessarily going to translate into a cup, no matter who's coaching. But also, I'll, I'll like Eiserman's done such a good job, but it, it's weird how in on that team they're so dedicated to the old school mindset of the fourth line. That's got to be grinders and checkers and all that sort of stuff. And he has a $6 million Ryan Callahan on the fourth line scoring two goals. And it seems like every year there's like that one sort of like mascot kind of guy, like Kunitz or Brendan Morrow, who, you know, they're great when they're playing with Malkin or Crosby, but if they're, you know, on a wing with Cedric Paquette, they're not going to do anything. So why not just go for speed and talent on that fourth line as opposed to grinders? I mean, that's what Iserman... Yeah, you know, he I know. is is playing it. He was, you know, the Chris Draper, Kirk Maltby yeah. type the, guys. The nineties were great, man. They were. I love them. I had hair. It was, it was great. Fun. 
But I just I, like how this, this league is so crazy that you know, like when when the Caps were down two nothing to the Blue Jackets, you're like, well, Barry Trotz is getting fired. Mm-hmm. Trotz is gone. I mean, in fact, there was remember there were the the rumors that he had, he, was, he even told somebody in that series, like, yeah, I'm I'm gone. I'm I'm done because he's the guy who can't win. And now we're sitting here going, you know, who you go and get if you need a cup. <laughs> Barry Trotz. That was Claude Julien the year the Bruins won the cup. If they had lost game seven in Montreal in the first round, he was gone. And then he ended yep. up winning the cup and hanging out for like another five years or whatever it was. Hockey's hockey hockey's the dumbest sport. I understand that. Like I'm not saying like John Cooper isn't capable of winning the Stanley Cup the same way, you know, everything has kind of gone right for the Caps this year. Everything's kind of gone right for Vegas too in the West, but in a weird way. So yeah, of course, anything can happen. Vegas Vegas is four wins. Vegas is four wins from winning the cup. Vegas. They have home ice advantage in the Stanley Cup final. Vegas. So, of course, Tampa has tons of talent and can win the Cup. It's just, you know, is John Cooper going to learn from his mistakes? Is is Steve Eiserman going to do something to make their roster a little bit better? I don't know if he yeah. can based on the cap. And that's just, you know. I, I, yeah. I, I mean, I think there's a a shift in philosophy. Not, you know, not like a wholesale change. But, you know, like when they when they signed Dan Girardi, a lot of us, you yeah, know, in the offseason were right. kind of like, oh, really? That's, huh. All right, that could come back to bite them. And last night, you know, I mean, yeah, bounce here, one play there. But I mean, there's your that's why you don't your sign killer him. goal is right. you know, and that's the guy who's right in the middle of it. So like, I thought Girardi would come back and haunt them against like a really, really deep team like Pittsburgh or Nashville or Winnipeg, and all those teams were out. So I'm thinking, okay, if they get past Washington, you can put Dan Girardi out there against Eric Halla. Like you're going to be fine in that series. And of course, what does he do? And I love, I love your tweet by the way when Burakovsky scored that goal, and everyone was like, oh man, tough break for Girardi. You know, the puck hit him in the chest, and what's he going to do? And you're like, I don't know anything besides what he actually did like literally anything else and they would have been fine i love these broadcasts that apologize for these grinder guys all the time man it's just it's unbearable (sighs) well so you mentioned vegas let's just i mean it's it's a few days old at this point but i like i was shocked at what happened with that winnipeg series not not necessarily that vegas won but they beat the jets four straight after losing game one Jets had not lost four games in a row all season long. Uh, and they, I mean, I, I think, I do think part of it, and this relates to what we might be about to see in the Stanley Cup final, but I, I, you know, I think part of it is, was the fatigue. Like it did feel like that series went the way you expect it to go when one team's coming off a seven game war and the other teams had a few days off, which is game one. Right. The the mo- one team keeps momentum, the other team looks a little rusty. But as as the series goes on, it it just felt like Winnipeg started to run out of gas. That was the Boston Tampa uh, series too this year, where Boston yeah. wins Game One, and then Tampa's like, "All right, we got this." And now Cup Final. Do, Same do, thing. Do you think the rest? I think the rest might even it out though, because there's so many days off before Game One that maybe it won't matter as much. But it it yeah it may it it may not. It's it's definitely not like you know those other series where it was like 48 hours and you're right back at it. And, you know, thankfully, the NHL made sure that any any momentum and, and buzz will slow right down as we <laughs> go through a weekend. Full weekend. With no hockey. <laughs> Full weekend. You know, Saturday. I, I don't I don't like watching hockey on Saturday nights. I'm no. I'm more of a. No, I'm I want to watch SNL reruns. By the way, by the way, they were. And, and they, I do they like were... how we also get the second weekend in if, if it goes that long, they, they skip Saturday entirely. And they're just like, we're just going to. I know. Have games. Sunday but apparently because I tweeted about that because um by the way they were going to start the game one Monday no matter what so if 
Tampa had won game six. We were going to have seven days until this down. At least there's like a five-day window now. But yeah. but I tweeted this when that when I realized it was that because on Saturday, the, the second Saturday in – or the third Saturday in whenever it is that that first weekend in June, June January or June 8th whatever it is is the Saturday of the Belmont and, and NBC usually always kind of I thought paired the the Triple Crown race with this with the Stanley Cup playoff game as like a lead-in or whatever and they weren't doing it this time and I was like wow is that like out of spite is that like a thing because I can remember I can remember going to the Belmont in 03 and it was a great day because like I think there was like a Triple Crown on the line Roger Clemens was like pitching for his 300th win that day and the Devils played the Ducks in game six that night that was the Paul Correa you know brain injury get up score a goal thing and we were all like wow Paul Correa yeah and now we look back and we're cool. like hmm, yeah. maybe we shouldn't have done that but yeah like they're not they're not leading the the Belmont into the Stanley Cup final game because of how the schedule breaks and I don't know if that's because of building availability and whatnot but yeah that is kind of weird how they're doing the whole schedule pretty much like the like the the, se- the seven games are going to be over like 16 days I think it's yeah like it's I'm, I'm not going to complain too much. I do this every year where I complain about how they, they put the big gaps in. And, and I'm not going to complain too much just because, like, up until now, it's been almost perfect. Like, they did it. Like, the conference finals was per, it was one series on the odd number days, one on the even number days, and back and forth. And that's that was they had it just right. And they haven't had the big gaps up until now. But I, there yeah, was one earlier, wasn't there? Wasn't there one between the first and second round because of how, like, like they, well, they, that was they, that, they, because they, they, there was one game seven. Like they waited. Like, like they could have started Vegas San Jose earlier if they wanted to. They could, but they almost never do that. that that's yeah. like the NBA does that. The NHL almost like I think they did it once a few years ago, uh, where they started like the you know round two on the same day that there was like a game seven. But it's they really don't like doing that. So uh, because I mean it could just. It, it just it, it could catch up with you, right? Then that that series you started early goes four games, and now you got a team being off forever. So, I I feel like it was good up until now, and I know that you know at, at the end of the day we want a good series. We want guys to be healthy and rested and and all of that. And I you know I I'm not necessarily saying you throw them right back out there, but game seven on on a Wednesday, game one on a Saturday would have would have worked out pretty good to me. Remember, remember, was it was it Instead, 09? all these was all it the, uh, everyone's just gonna spend an extra few days in vegas over the weekend yeah it's a tough it's break be, it's be rough tough what, sorry guys was it 09 or was it 08 when they started the cup final right away and they played games one and two in detroit on like saturday and sunday and like detroit won the first two games and then after that they were all completely spent and they lost it that was 09 right when the penguins won yeah seven. that was when the penguins won yeah. I, guess, I guess like because it, it seems whenever detroit complains about stuff then stuff seems to stop like you know what i mean like oh we can't do that anymore they're like okay fine hey this realignment thing we should move okay fine you can move hey three on three overtime okay kenny we'll give you three on three overtime <laughs> like ken, ken holland could solve concussions and like the salary cap issue in like two seconds if he really wanted to but alas oh by the way going back to the vegas thing how we didn't yep. think this was going to happen Buddy, I'm pretty sure we talked about this, and I said, you know what? This Ryan Reeves acquisition is going to be a huge thing for them in the Western Conference so. Finals. Yeah. Like he's going to be the kind of guy that that leads and scores a big goal. So I don't know. I I, I feel like he's we all could have saw this coming. The the big winner. I mean, I remember when the Derek Broussard deal went down, and you and I both said, "This is right? not. No, no, it's the Ryan Reeves deal." <laughs> By the way, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how your mentions are, but like every single. Vegas person who discovered hockey in like January has been like annoying the bejesus out of me on Twitter about my preseason thing where I was like Vegas is gonna suck and all that. Like my God, man! Like you got to move on. Like I, I moved on. I'm I'm over it. Like everyone else needs to kind of be like, well, yeah, we were an expansion team. I can see why people would think. We're- why would yeah? Why would you want to do that? Like if you're a Vegas fan, like that's the whole appeal of the story is that 
nobody believed in you and everybody thought you were going to be terrible. Like, don't go, you know, don't go back and be like, ha ha, you should have seen that we were going to be good. If we all thought you were going to be good. This is ruined. This is this isn't fun. Like you should be embracing that. But I'm sorry, I I did hear you say Twitter, so of course yeah. nobody's. Um, do you still um, believe in it? like there was there was one guy on Twitter who added me and was like, um, you should be fired. Yeah, that's how it works. You make a bad prediction, you should be fired. And then like 20 minutes later, he saw the thing I wrote this week where I was like, this Vegas story is the best thing to happen in hockey. He's like, never mind, I love you. And I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm like, I don't give a crap what you think either way. Stop adding me with every thought you have about <laughs> Vegas hockey. Leave me alone, man. Like, okay, you just go. I get it. We all screwed up. We all thought Vegas was gonna be bad. And they're 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 good. And Mark Andre Fleury's a nine fifty-five goaltender and He's the best to ever. God, this Vegas season, man. Like, I, I, like there, there are so many little tiny lucky aspects to the season that I keep thinking about. Like, oh man, like they, like they caught the Western Conference at the best time possible. Like, LA and Chicago are on the downswing. Nashville and Winnipeg play each other. Like, in a sane league, Vegas would play Nashville and Winnipeg on the way to the Cup. Like, one wouldn't take care of the other on the way to Vegas. Oh, there's like the two the two of the first three months of the year they did not have Marc Andre Fleury and they're an expansion team. Like if a, if a if a fifty years in team loses their starting goalie for two months, they're screwed. And somehow they got by with like Oscar Dansk and that Legacy guy who's now their backup apparently. Malcolm Subban gets hurt too, and they're still fine. They're down to their number three and four goalies for two months, and they come they out of it. They're still in first. One, but like at one point, they're just yeah. doing that thing where like you're playing a video game and you run out of players, and it just randomly generates. <laughs> just guys who's like yourself in the game match yeah. oh my god like, and and they're they're good too like don't get me wrong but like man they have had so many things fall into place it's uh, just well let's game. let's do this we're halfway through why don't we take the break and then we'll come back and we'll we'll keep going on vegas we'll do our cup predictions and i also i want to argue with you yeah we should about your, your piece that you wrote about vegas and this will be good because this will turn all the the vegas fans back onto your side <laughs> And we'll also argue that Henrik, Henrik and, and Daniel and, thing. And all you Vegas fans, make sure you do tweet at Dave and let him know that, that oh, you've yeah. got his back now because he likes he likes to hear from you. Oh, God, these people. Yeah, we'll, we'll be back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So before the break, we were discussing the uh, the Vegas phenomenon. I believe this is the best thing that has happened for the NHL maybe ever. Ever is probably too strong, but but I'll say in a very in, in decades, this is the best story ever because of all the reasons I wrote about in on vicesports.com slash Dave is right about Vegas this time, even though he was wrong eleven months ago about them dot HTML. And the reason why I think this is so great is because there, there's a lot of reasons for it. Like, it's just a cool sort of Cinderella story, even though, again, going back to my annoyance with John Cooper, who's like, this isn't a Cinderella story. This is a success story. Idiot. The thing you're describing is a Cinderella story. They're, they were good the whole time. People put them down, but they were really good. And then in the end, everyone realized they were good. That's that's basically a Cinderella story. That's how it works. 
So you've got the whole cool Cinderella aspect to it. There's no real reason to hate Vegas unless like you're a fan of one of the three teams that you know got knocked out in the postseason by them. Sure, you want to have some residual anger, fine. But if you're a fan, like this is great because like Vegas is the, the shining example of yeah, going into the season, anyone has a chance. This team didn't exist um, 13 months ago, not not 11 months ago, like like Sean said on Twitter last night. It's you know it's the year ago they they, they existed. No one knows what I'm talking about, but I, 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 I thought that was really funny. But like, oh, yeah, I, I got so many people who wanted to tell me that the team technically <laughs> existed and like like the the charter inception date. Oh God! And I had to like reply to them like yeah, that that wasn't a real conversation. I was quoting. It was that. just a bit. It was just a joke. Yeah. That's all you were doing. But so basically, Sean said, "Yeah, a year, a year ago, Caps fans wished you know we want to be better than every team in existence. And the, the genie was like in existence because Vegas didn't exist and then blah, blah, blah. But yada, yada, yada. I, I think this Vegas thing is so great. It's so cool. It's just, you got Mark, Mark Andre Fleury's the most likable player in hockey. There's, it's just a cool story of all these guys who were told, you know what, go screw. You guys aren't good enough for our team. We're going to make some deals to make sure people take you in some cases. And now they're four wins away. Like, I just think that's great. But there is a sentiment out there, and it seems to exist mostly in Canada because Justin Bourne, known Canadian Justin Bourne, kind of had the same feelings I think you do. So go ahead. Tell me why I'm wrong. Well, it, I mean, here's the thing. I'm actually not going to tell you that you're wrong. <gasps> yes. I'm, I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong. Okay, moving about, on. Uh... Or, or, that, or that the people who are enjoying this story are wrong. I'm not, I'm not here to rain on anyone's parade. I'm not here to tear up anyone's happy checks. But, if, but, if you are enjoying but, the Vegas Golden Knights story... But, God bless you. But I understand why. But but <laughs> where I am going to disagree with you, and and you know you you kind of went here not not as strongly as I've seen a whole bunch of other people uh, do it. But this sentiment that is not just hey the Golden Knights are great and people can enjoy this, but this idea that if you're not enjoying this, if you're not loving this, that there's something wrong with you or you know, you you hate fun and you hate this or that. And this kind of scolding of the fairly, I get the sense, large portion of the fan base that isn't really is loving the is fact it large, that, really? that this is a, I mean I yeah, I don't know. I don't think you know I'm not saying the majority, but I, I don't you know I don't think it's just a I don't think it's an insignificant portion of the fan base that is kind of having a reaction to this anywhere from hating it to just kind of kind of rolling their eyes a little bit. And See, like, uh, that, that's know. the problem with hockey is everyone's just into their own team. There's never like a sense of like league wide enjoyment of the, yeah. of the game. And that's where I thought Vegas could kind of bridge the gap a little bit, but you're, you're telling Maybe. me no. And, and, well, I mean, and, and for some, for some it is for sure. But you know, to, to me, it's this like, I, I get it. I get why somebody would watch this, you know, like a longtime fan, a diehard fan would watch this play out and have a reaction other than, oh, this is so great. And, you know, and, and for a couple of reasons, the, the two, you know, there, there are going to be people out there who aren't going to like this just because they're jealous, they're bitter, mm-hmm. their team stinks, their team hasn't won in 40 years or 50 years, and some new team is coming along. And some fans who haven't suffered like you have are going to get to enjoy a Stanley Cup final, if not a Stanley Cup. Uh, and, you know, I get that, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think that's that's how you necessarily want to go through life, just pointing at people who are enjoying things and, <laughs> and, and saying they should, you know, that hasn't happened to me. So, but where I do get 
where I do get it, is this feeling like th this is all just this this just is making the NHL feel like a league that is just so random and so unpredictable hmm. where you're kind of left looking around going like, does any of this matter? Because, you know, it's it's like anything can happen is a nice sentiment. But if literally anything can happen, then what's the point of trying to figure out what's going to happen? Oh. And what's the point of sitting around arguing about what's going to happen? And, what, and you know, where I get the, the, the sympathy for fans, you know, if you're a fan in Toronto or Buffalo or Vancouver, you know, if, if, if your argument is, well, we haven't won a cup, so they shouldn't, then screw you. That's, you know, too bad. That's life. Life isn't fair. But if, you know, if you're sitting there going, wait a second, we're like, we're, you know, we're in Toronto. We've, you know, we've, we've got the, the Shanna plan. We're trying to build this thing. We're in Buffalo. We've tanked and, you know, we're trying, we're spinning our wheels. We're in Vancouver. We're trying to move on from the city air and figure out. And along comes the Vegas Golden Knights. And let's just be honest. They did this by accident. How dare you, sir? This was an act. This, this was not the plan. I would feel differently about this if they had had their expansion draft and we all wrote our articles about how they're going to be so terrible. And like, if George McPhee was like, you know what guys hold off on that, you know, let, let's wait and see. We, we got a feeling we might surprise some people. You know, if you had the owner out there going like, we think we're going to make a lot of people eat their words because we're, you know, everybody thinks we're going to be bad and we think we've, we've built something pretty good here. And you know, that would be a little bit different, but instead you had, the owner, you had Bill Foley, the owner. And if anyone's allowed to be a shamelessly optimistic homer, it's the guy who just spent $500 million on the team. And Bill Foley does an interview with ESPN during the offseason where he says, basically, they want to contend for a cup in six years. They want to make the playoffs in maybe three years. And as far as their goal for year one, he said, we want to lose by one or two goals and not lose by five or six. That's right. And now this team is might win the Stanley Cup. And meanwhile, you know, George, and meanwhile, no, no one's, no one's in Bill Foley's ago. mentions yelling at him about that. By the way, I don't see I don't <laughs> exactly. see him yelling at Bill Foley. You know, George McPhee a couple days ago was like, "We don't know how we're doing. We don't know how." Like that's and that's the thing. That's what I think bugs people is they don't know. And it's kind of it feels like, you know, it's it's like when you you have like your office pool, like uh, you know your fantasy football pool or your March Madness or whatever, and you're you know you're ready to go and you've done all your research and you you know you haven't worked and two weeks because you're secretly looking up all your stats online and then you go in and you're suddenly like wait a sec we we need an extra person and you just grab someone like you you you're in and they're like i, I don't even know what i'm doing i don't i don't know any of the teams i don't know the players i'm just going to go based on you know who has cool names or uniform colors i like and then that person wins and you're looking around going are we all idiots for even doing this like but this that, doesn't make but, it more But that's fun. good this, too. That's a good thing too because now all these teams are like are we idiots and now they'll there's yeah. a chance that they'll stop being idiots which is also good it's, for your team. It's it's good for your team and it's it's I think it's good to expose a few idiots and it's good to expose a few people who don't know what they're doing. And by the way, I include us in the media in that because we've all, you know, been exposed on this too. But when it looks like everyone's an idiot, like literally nobody knows what's going on. I I get why some people are sitting there going, uh, you know, I spend, I spend hundreds of dollars. I spend tons of hours. I spent, you know, caring about this league, worrying about, you know, we're, we're going to go into the off season soon. The, the season's going to be over. 
we're going to go into, oh, you know, let's analyze the draft. Let's free agency, John Tavares, Eric Carlson, all this stuff. And there's like suddenly there's this nagging feeling like, does any of this really matter if you can win a Stanley Cup by accident? Just like draft a team and be like, hey, we got a bunch of expiring contracts and we took 10 defensemen so we can trade them. And whoops, uh oh, we accidentally won the Stanley Cup. I get why that rubs some people the wrong way. So again, I'm not arguing that if you're enjoying this, that you shouldn't go ahead. You know, that enjoying things should be your default. If you're happy, if you're liking this, great. But I get it when, you know, and I'm tired of seeing people who don't like this getting scolded for it because I, I, like I say, I, I get why a lot of people are watching this and kind of going, this, this doesn't make me feel better about the NHL. Okay. One, they should be scolded. And this is coming from me, the most miserable human being on the planet. If you're miserable about this or not happy about this, you should be scolded. You should be scolded until you see the error of your ways. Because one, there's nothing that compares to an expansion team going to the Stanley Cup final and maybe winning it. I get it. But the Stanley Cup playoffs forever have been built on the idea that if you just get in, you can win. Nashville last year, had they were were the 16th best team in in the postseason, I think, last year. And they got to the Cup final and got within maybe one called back goal away from winning the Stanley Cup because of the dumb whistle or whatever on the Colton Susan's goal. Like that's what this league has always been. It's been built on parity since the lockout and then the salary cap. So, right. the, and, and I think also I speaking for myself, I've always kind of known how much luck is involved in hockey and it doesn't really matter. Like we, we go back to the years, like Vegas is not really all that different from like a, that Columbus team or Calgary a few years ago or Anaheim, like these teams that, just kind of ride a hot streak, but, well, but top... except they're not there. This is a 109 point team. They won their division by more points than any right. team in the league. Right, like right. I, I right. Columbus was the same way. The, Columbus if they snuck into the playoffs with 95 points and just went on a heater and Mark Andre, then, you know, that'd be a little bit different, but this has been start to finish. They, yeah. they won eight of their first nine games. They, they have been one of the best teams in the league from day one. Right. By accident. But uh, By accident. I mean, that's not parody. Like that's you know, and and even you know, parody. You're right. This has been a league built on parody, and the the NHL loves parody, and they sell the hell out of it. But we've had the conversation and the debate of like, how much parody is too much, and how much how much randomness is too much. And you're right. Anyone who's smart and watching the game in an intelligent way realizes there's way more luck and randomness and and flukes than we want to admit. But it's kind of like you know what. Uh, part of the reason we don't want to admit that is because too much randomness, too much luck isn't fun. We like to pretend the best team wins. That's why we make up these obviously fake narratives about who wanted it more and, oh, they didn't compete hard enough because it's easier to say that than to say, you know, they had a 52% chance of winning and the coin came up on the other side. So when you get to this point where it's like, there's so much parody, there's so much randomness. Okay. That adds to the fun factor to an extent, but it's kind of like keep it on the down low. Like, don't don't rub our faces <laughs> in how completely random this league has now become. And at this point, it's sort of like, you know, an expansion team winning in year one by accident See, is is sort of saying, what gives the game away. You keep saying and by accident. What do you? What, I mean, by accident. I they, mean, they weren't they weren't trying to be competitive in year one. That's why I say if, if they had done the expansion draft. And, you know, they had said, you know, obviously they weren't going to come out and say, we're going to win the cup in year one. But if they had said, our goal is to be competitive right out of the gate. We want to be a good team. We want to at least make the playoffs in year one. Then you'd kind of look at it and go, okay, you know what? They, they called their shot and they hit it out of the park. 
But the, the, the team owner a month before the season was saying, our goal is to not lose by five or six. Okay. And they win the Stanley Cup. How and about- so, and, and then meanwhile, every other team is sitting there, you know, with their war rooms and their planning and, you know, what's our five-year strategy. And you're sitting there going, it, maybe it's just all BS and, you know, we're fools for caring about this. But, like, uh, I look at it like this. Like, sometimes you draft, like, a fantasy baseball team. Like, two years ago, in my fantasy baseball league, in the Jonah Carey League of Leagues, me and my partner took Aaron Judge and like, it's a 50-round draft. We took Aaron Judge in, like, the 44th round. We were just like, let's take a flyer on Aaron Judge. And Aaron Judge basically had an almost MVP season. He had, like, 50 home runs. He was insanely good. Like, that's, to me, like, that's us getting lucky taking a flyer on Aaron Judge. We're just like, we'll see what he can do. Like, William Carlson... It's, I think it's different when you see the guy, you watch him play, and you're like, I want him on my team. I think this guy's got potential that Columbus isn't seeing, and then he, he reaches that potential. I, but like, it, Columbus, it's, it's made, Columbus bribed them to take William Carlson. Yeah, but I mean, they, they bribed him to take Marcia So and Smith, or they bribed him. The, yeah. Well, the bribe was Marcia So. Like if you're, but like my point is, is just if you're, if you're willing to take advantage of teams being stupid— like, but, a, I mean, we we have not... no we have no evidence. You know, maybe we will at some point. Someone's probably going to write a great book about the kind of behind the scenes here. But we have no evidence that the the Knights even wanted William Carlson. We you know they got draft picks and prospects from Columbus to take David Clarkson's contract and to take William Carlson instead of these other guys that they wanted to protect. We like now maybe in their war room, George McPhee was like. This is great because Carlson's the guy we wanted all along, right. and now we're getting it. You know, maybe, right? We don't, know. but maybe not. Maybe they were sitting there going, "No, we want this guy. We got to take Carlson." I don't even know who that is, but all right, fine. If we're getting a first round pick, we're going to eat David Clarkson's contract, and we'll take this this no name guy. You know, we don't know, but you know, again, every team that's good has a couple of those stories, a couple of those flukes. You know, Detroit. You know, they built a cup winner on Zetterberg and Datsuk, and those were you know obviously huge amount of luck in hitting on those guys late in the draft. It's one thing if it's one or two or three. It's another thing when it's the entire roster and, you know, again, you're just kind of sitting there. I'm just, I'm trying to think how some Sabres fan watches this play out and then gets really hyped about the offseason and what the Sabres are doing and what they are slowly piece by piece building when, you know, it turns out sometimes you just, you know, maybe this league is just 31 differently colored marbles going into a bin and we pull one out every year. That's who won. Okay. We had other stuff to talk about, but here's, here's my last point on the whole luck thing. You look at who they sort of, you know, quote, got lucky with William Carlson, for sure. We all, we all thought the Panthers were insane to give up Marcia. So, and Riley Smith and that deal. Right. I think Panthers fans are the only fans that should be mad because it must be just so miserable every night to go out and watch those three guys just absolutely dominate like no other line in the NHL. Okay, I, I, mm. I can live with that. But then you had like, you know, James Neal. We knew James Neal was good. We knew David Perron was good. Um, we didn't know he was 60 point good. Yeah, but like, I mean, he hadn't been forever. That, but that's like, that's like, an, that's kind of like a number that maybe you could expect on a, in a situation where he's playing bigger minutes on a new team. He's not playing third line minutes on good teams. He's playing second line or first line, not first line minutes, but he's playing top six minutes on a new team. So he's going to get more opportunities there or on the power play. Like Shea Theodore, um, like Derek Englund, like Braden McNabb, like that's nutty for sure. But like Nate Schmidt, I think everyone kind of thought Nate Schmidt could be pretty good. Mark Andre Fleury, of course, is is absolutely. Mark Andre Fleury is the reason why we're even talking about this because he's yeah. he's 
sold his soul to Satan, and now he's the greatest goalie of all and that, time. And that's fine because that that doesn't make sense, but goaltending hasn't made sense right. anywhere for a long time. So Right. Then you have like Alex Tuck. Okay, maybe they saw something in Alex Tuck that Minnesota didn't. No, Eric Hall. Maybe Eric Hall, they knew could play if they just got him in a, in a bigger role than he was maybe. getting in Minnesota. Like, maybe all this stuff happened, but or maybe maybe the NHL is just a league that's overrun by randomness and then we fill in the maybes afterwards to try to make it make sense when it doesn't i would be so uh, this is this is another reason why i'm happy to get rid of the salary cap because if we get rid of the salary cap i'm 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 i would so much more enjoy a league where there's like four super awesome teams and everyone's trying to knock them off and then the four super awesome teams go out there and do awesome stuff when they play each other in the conference finals or the stanley cup final but I know people never don't gonna, agree, but that's never gonna happen. But just, here here's here's my final statement on this. If you're if you like the Golden Knights, if you're enjoying this, great. Keep keep at it. If you don't like it, I get it. Just don't tell me that the expansion draft is rigged, because that is the <laughs> dumbest argument. And I think we can both agree on that. We'll close on that. Rigged. Anybody oh. who thinks this was rigged or that this was inevitable or that, you know, we should have all seen this coming, it's you're that it's the worst kind of revisionist history and you sound ridiculous when you say that like how can it be rigged and how can we all be wrong about everyone's like assessment about the draft it's impossible but yeah let's 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 just move on and let's make some cup picks oh yeah we should make some cup picks well i know who you're picking you might as well just get it out of the way and just wave wave to me from the bandwagon you know what i'm i you're you're correct i'm picking the washington capitals you will have to uh I've got my Stanley Cup final preview coming up today or tomorrow on Vice Sports, so I'll 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 leave the details of Ooh. why I'm picking them and in how many games. But I am picking the Washington Capitals because, as a committed member of the Capitals bandwagon, is that a thing? You can't be a committed bandwagon person. I guess that doesn't really work. I guess well, like once you're on somebody the didn't bail on them after two rounds is what I was going for. <laughs> All right. Well, like maybe maybe I can't get on the bandwagon again, but like maybe I can just like ride underneath it, like like you know, in the, in the frame, <laughs> the frame where they keep like the muffler and the engine and stuff. Because yeah, like you can you can yeah you can like drive behind and like meet us there. You know, it's like <laughs> I'll just like get your like, friends are all hopping in an Uber and they're like, oh, we don't have room, but you can you can meet us there. We'll see you. Just and get get, like, okay, get, guys, get in your own Uber. It'll be fine. It'll be good. Okay, I'll, I'll see you guys there. All right. So yeah, I think the cap. I think the Caps are going to win, and I think it's going to be quick because it, it, I feel like I've talked about 2003 a lot today. But like the the Mark Andre Fleury run really reminds me of the John Sebastian Jaguar run in 03, where for three rounds he was the greatest goalie to ever play hockey, and then in the Cup final he was not terrible by any stretch, but he was just more human, and you could score on him, and that was the difference. And I just think Fleury's just due to kind of have that normal human being you know 920 round instead of like a 940 yep. round so i think that's gonna hurt them i like Braden holpe at this point way more than what mark andre fleury's been done obviously fleury's been better than holpe but i just think holpe's i just think holpe's a better goaltender i'd rather hitch my wagon to that and the whole you know vegas flu vegas at home thing like the caps have just been so good on the road that i just think it's not gonna matter so i'm not gonna say caps in four because that would be crazy but I'm gonna say caps in four. <laughs> Why not? I might as well commit to it, right? Caps you really in four. Think you're taking caps in four. I think the caps are gonna win the series in four games. You bastard. 
that was my pick. Was it I really? Thought it was be, I thought it was going to be literally the only one. Oh, good. So picking can, the, the Washington can, sweep. They can yell at both of us then when Vegas wins game one, five to one. Oh, sweep still? You still think it's going to be a sweep? Huh? Um, um, how do you sweep the team when you lose? <laughs> I, let me ask you this. Since we're stuck in 2003, uh-huh. uh, if the Capitals win, you know, not in four games, if the Capitals, let's say the Capitals win this in seven, Mark Andre Fleury plays well. Does oh, he yeah. win the Conn Smythe oh, as sure. a member of the losing team? Does he pull the G- the Giguer and Oh yeah, absolutely. He's he's he, Mark Andre Fleury would have to be so terrible in the cup final to not win the Conn Smythe because he's up against Braden Holpe, who's been really good too, but he's just been not as good as Fleury, so you can't give it to him. And then it's Ovechkin. And as we all know, Alex Ovechkin was not born in Canada, so therefore he's not eligible to win the Yeah, but the redemption trophy. tour is yeah is, is strong here. He's also he's also the second leading scorer on his team. He's a, who's he's a, who's who's also Russian. So I don't know. I feel like it's going to be flurry. first first Russian know. to captain his team to the Stanley Cup final. Apparently, according to a tweet I saw and did not verify or research in any way. Well, yeah, right. It would have to be Malkin won the Conn Smythe in '09, but he wasn't the captain. So yeah, I don't think there are really there's really there's been so few Russian captains. So I doubt. I think that has to be true. I'm gonna I'm gonna confirm that right here on Biscuits <laughs> Hockey Podcast. Fact sure. check true. Done. Sure. Back check sounds reasonably true. Well, we got uh, we got some we, more we got we got some more time, so we can do some non Stanley Cup. Yeah, final we can stuff. we can go a little bit past uh, past the hour here. So yeah, uh, other stuff going on. Lou Lamarillo. Lamarillo, New York Islanders. I am coming in as the. I, I just want to point out coming in as the what president of hockey operations. Right. Full control. We're told full of control. all hockey decisions. And yet, curiously, not actually given the general manager's title. Yeah. Almost as if somebody in that organization secretly had a contract. Yeah, almost. Guaranteed them being the GM, even if they just get the Greg Sherman treatment. Where Remember that like one year where Greg Sherman was still the GM in Colorado, but he didn't get to make any decisions? Oh. And he was basically just the office space guy in the basement. Like Joe Sackick's so, first year, I think that was, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, and, Joe Sack- and Patrick Waugh was like also somehow making like <laughs> personnel decisions, though he was the coach. And like, uh, then you'd, you'd go on, like, you'd hit the Wikipedia page. You'd be like, why do they still have Greg Sherman listed? It's, oh my <laughs> Lord, is he still, he's still working there? I could see that being the case here. But yeah, so does this, I mean, it, it clearly has to change shift around the odds on the John Tavares situation. Does it though? I, I don't know. Like, I think it does only because, you know, two weeks ago before any of this happened, you're sitting there going, I mean, if John Tavares wanted to, if it was going to be the status quo and it was going to be Gar Snow and Doug Waite and we're, we're doing everything the same. If John Tavares wanted that, he had all year to sign. So why would he, why wouldn't he at least go to free agency? Whereas now, something has changed and maybe there's a new direction. And and we have this weird situation where Lou Lamarillo was talking to John Tavares on behalf of the Islanders, even though he still worked for the Maple Leafs. What a league. What a league. At the time, which apparently everybody was okay with, which, which kind of took away my situation that I immediately envisioned, which is like Brandon Shanahan calling Lou Lamarillo in and saying, sorry, Lou, you're not the GM anymore. We're giving it to Kyle. And Lou going back to his office and immediately starts calling free agency free agents <laughs> on behalf of the Maple Leafs and just tampering like crazy. Uh, and then walking out of the office like, good luck, kid. Enjoy having no draft picks for the next five years because the league's taken them all away. And by the way, I work for the Islanders now, but apparently not. Apparently it was all in the up and up, just like everything Lou Lamarillo does. 
Hey, I'm gonna make you an offer. I you can't refuse. Yeah, I, I feel like I don't know. What's is it? Is it more likely than not that Tavares is back with the Islanders? I just I, I feel like it doesn't change anything. Like I think if you're John Tavares, like like I keep picturing um like Lou Lamarillo walking into the room and meeting Gart Snow for the first time, and it's like that two Spider Mans pointing at each other meme where it's like. <laughs> like what's yep. the difference like what what are we what are we talking about here like like lou went to toronto for a couple of years and the foundation was already there and he was like you know what we need is matt martin like well, really that's that's the answer so i i just like if i'm john Tavares, like what is lou lamarillo gonna do to this roster that's gonna suddenly make it a stanley cup contender like there's always a yeah. possibility that he comes back but i think there's no way in hell he's not gonna like listen to every single offer that comes in and if there's a really good one from a really good team you know, he's going to take it. Like I was reading, like Larry Brooks wrote up a thing about how this was like a great thing for the Islanders. And I mean, compared to Garth Snow, you take anything you want, but I mean, you t- you'll take whatever you can get. But like, they were like, you know what? Maybe Lou Lamarillo is going to go up to John Tavares and, you know, tell him that, you know what? On draft day, I'm going to go out and get Jacob Truba. And it's like, what what, what the hell is Jacob Truba going to do? Like, he's good, but like, he's not going to mm-hmm. make the Islanders a cup. Content- why, why not just go to Winnipeg? If plus, you're, John plus you're also going to say, all right. Give me a call when you got Jacob Truba. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to sign now based on what you're telling me you're going to do. I, I guess I still feel like it's more likely than not that Tavares goes somewhere else, but that of the 31 options, the Islanders are the most likely destination. Does that make sense? I, I, I'm I'm telling you, go, John Tavares, can you imagine John Tavares in Las Vegas? That's what I want. Tavares, you know what? Center in the second line. Vegas has got a ton of cap room. Like, yeah. it, literally, Vegas could win the Stanley Cup, sign John Tavares, and trade for Eric Carlson. Oh, can you imagine? So and, and then, and then miss the playoffs next year because <laughs> again, this league is random. Nothing. <laughs> and they're just gonna whatever they do, the opposite of their intention will will kick in. But yeah, no, that you could. That I mean, Vegas. Vegas might be a hell of a free agent destination right now. It's Vegas. They're cap good. Room. They have a great place room. to live. No taxes. The one thing that would have been working against them was, well, you know, they're going to be bad. Nope. They're super good. Uh, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. May only get better. Just think about it. Think about it, JT. JT and 91, I'm pretty sure, is available in Vegas. No, 91 is not available. That's uh, that's somebody's number. I forget who it is. That's someone's number. Someone's no, Maybe not. I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter point is is just i i just you you never want to discount the possibility of a guy who spent a decade of his life in a city not wanting to go somewhere else especially in hockey but i just i don't know why he would stay like there's unless it's like some totally misplaced sense of loyalty it just doesn't it just doesn't make any sense for a guy who's his age is his as talented as yeah. he is who just saw evander kane get seven million dollars a year for seven years why would he stay and, and you know what if if <sighs> if the main thing to keep him there is loyalty that's not really – Lou Lamarillo isn't necessarily the guy you want making that case because yeah, you know, right. Lou Lamarillo had been in New Jersey forever. They asked him to take a different role, and he was gone a few days later So because there was a better situation somewhere else. And, and seriously, by the way, what is San Jose doing? Like, I get it, like the free Yeah, let's, so thing. let's do that because that, I guess even just now, like the that is breaking official now. Oh, it is. The, the breaking news. I'm seven. Uh, contract for Evander Kane, a guy who has he ever had sixty points? I don't know. I, Maybe. I mean, a good player. He had thirty but... goals once or twice, but I mean, he had like forty-five yeah. points this year. I don't know, man. That's just 
like I haven't seen a contract in a long time where I'm like, uh, here comes the next lockout. But I saw that contract and I'm like, uh, here comes the next lockout because it's just, what are you, what are you, what are you doing? Also, like, there's no market for him. Like, nobody wanted him at the trade deadline. Like, he has his off ice issues and everything, and he's a forty yeah, point guy. Clearly, the Sharks clearly constructed that trade in a way that suggested that they viewed it as a short term deal with the you know conditional pick that would only kick in if they signed him, and, uh, and now it now it will kick in, but. Yeah, Evander Kane had 54 points this year. It's his second 50-plus point season of his career. The last one was in 2012, and that was the when he was, when he scored 30 goals as a 20-year-old, and we all thought he was the next yeah next Cam Neely, and it didn't didn't really go in that direction. So, yeah, that's I mean the thing with the Sharks is that like that their cap situation is potentially interesting because they've got him now for seven years, Brent Burns. For seven more years, it's going to take him till till he's forty years old. Vlasic is is another at least seven, eight, maybe. Does that only kick in this this summer? That'll take him till he he's almost forty. Uh, I don't know. Like at least Evander Kane's at least young enough that it's, this is one of those seven year deals where you're not automatically assuming that the last five are going to be a mess, but. They're they're locked in for a while, and this this doesn't like their cap situation. This doesn't necessarily remove them from the John Tavares sweepstakes, uh, where they you know because they they've been coming up a lot as a potential destination there. Because I think Tavares is one of those guys where if you can sign him, you you move whoever you have to move to to make it work. You don't worry about ditching your three million dollar third line winger. You you just do it and clear the space, but. I don't know. I mean, especially if Joe Thornton's coming back at anything close to market value, they, they're suddenly getting pretty tight. Uh, and not to mention that they've got Joe Pavelski and Logan Couture, both UFAs at the end of this coming year. So, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Doug Wilson is kind of he's, – he's maneuvering as if he's got a team whose window is is open right now. I don't know. I'm not sure how open it is. Well – Going back to Vegas, apparently everyone's window is open. Because... Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, why are we even talking about this? Do whatever you want. <laughs> Sign whoever you want. Don't worry about your cap in five years. In five years, there's going to be, you know, the Seattle's going to be playing the Nordiques in the Stanley Cup final and nothing See, you know, nothing you, matters. And you will damn well enjoy it or else there's something wrong with you. I think I figured it out. I, you know what it is? I feel like if you're a fan of a team that's good, like just because Bourne was doing this too, and he's kind of like a Toronto guy. He's an Islander guy, but he's also a Toronto guy. You're a Toronto guy. You're you're both Toronto guys, and Toronto's a good team that didn't get out of the first round this year. And Vegas is a new team that's going to the fourth round this year. So in your heads, you're like, what's the point of being good if you're – but I think if you're a fan of a crappy team, you're like, wow, this is great, man. This could be us next year. I think maybe that's the disconnect as opposed to like Canadian jealousy that there's a team in Vegas four wins. For yeah, them. I, I, I don't know. My only kind of point of reference on that and, you know, obviously, I'm, you know, I, I won't claim that I'm, you know, getting a, a representative sample of every fan base, but I'm I'm sensing – I, I've heard I've heard a lot of negativity about Vegas coming out of Buffalo, which is the hmm. ultimate bad team. Hmm. And and from there it's sort of this this perception of like why are we trying? Why are we worried about you know? Well, we're going to draft Rasmus Dahlin. We're going to do this or that. You know, we got the new co- maybe you know maybe we should just go out and enjoy the summer and ignore all of this stuff. And maybe next year we'll be good. Maybe we'll be bad. And and who cares? But. uh 
yeah, it's, it's yeah, gonna, you know, it's not saying the, it's everyone, but it's going to be I the highest rated I, cup final in years. I say highest rated cup final. In yeah, years, could be. Years. And, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, that that is part of this is, you know, I, I'm, I'm coming at it from the perspective of kind of the old schools and the diehards. And this is going to bring some new fans in and hopefully they stick around. And that's a good thing. This this league, you know, I, I think the diehards matter and you you always you know, in any business, you ignore your most loyal customers at your peril, but you don't you don't grow by only worrying about what the diehards think. And and bringing in some some new fans would uh, certainly not be a bad thing for this league. Hopefully, they stick around. Anything else you want to do? Some reader reader mail. Uh, but uh, I mean, yeah. Leafs. Mark Hunter left, but we kind of knew that was going to happen. They hired Lawrence Gilman yeah. this morning. I don't know if that. I do, I do really? think, it, I do think it's funny that like Lou Lamarillo is like free to do whatever he wants, and like the Leafs have like Mark Hunter locked in like a solitary confinement cell somewhere where he can't do anything <laughs> until mid July. That's kind of funny yeah. to me, but because well, he's Mr. He's Mr. Draft guy, so he's not allowed to go off and and do some other teams teams draft. But uh, yeah, it's the the one thing that'll be interesting there is they, you know, they they hired Gilman today, and you know he's he's an experienced guy, but he's it sounds like he's going to be the Marlies guy. I want to see if they hire an experienced former GM or, or you know, somebody like that uh, to, to sort of fill the Lamorello advisor role. Uh, I think that would be helpful. I think Kyle Dubas is a super smart guy and, and is surrounded by other smart people. But I think there is value in having somebody in the front office who knows everybody and knows where all the bodies are buried and, and all of that stuff. So I, I don't know who that is. I, I'm not convinced that Ron Francis is that guy and he's the name that's been kicked around the most because there's a connection there. But I don't know. I, I'd like to see them bring somebody like that in. Chuck Fletcher's been mentioned, but I, I, I don't know if there's anything to that or if that's just because his dad worked for the Leafs for so long. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see them do something like that and you know, we'll see over the next little while. Well, Kyle's a Biscuits fan, so I'm assuming he's just like waiting for the season to end to ask us to come in to to have that role. Could be that. Yeah, I mean, it's until you know we'd be tampering, and he, yeah, you know, the people would be upset. So yeah, once our contract expire, I believe that he'll come knocking. So we'll we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll we'll see what the offer is before we get too excited. But we'll 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 hold off on it. Um, some questions. This is right at the top. It's kind of interesting. I hadn't thought about this. Uh, Russell Tilden says, is it possible that Gary Bettman does not get booed this year when presenting the cup? Yeah, this is this. I've already seen people talking about this. It's possible not. It, it's, I mean, it, put it this way. Logically speaking, if he was ever going to get cheered, this is, this is where he should get cheered because he's the reason this team exists. I mean, you've got an expansion team. You know, in in theory, he hasn't he, like he's never done anything bad to the Golden Knights or that influenced them in a negative way. He just brought them to life, and and that's it. But at the same time, I mean, Vegas fans, you guys know the deal. You want to be in the club. You want to be real fans. You know what you have to do, especially if especially if the visiting team wins. Like I, you know, we say Batman always gets booed, but the reality is, if the home team wins, it's these days it, he doesn't usually get it too bad. But if if the caps are taking the cup on your ice. You know what you got to do, guys. One this is of your initiation. us. One exactly. of us. One exactly. of us. Uh, Jim H. 
what would the bar tab look like if Washington wins the cup in Vegas? See, this was the thing I thought about more than the booing was when you win the cup. I remember distinctly sitting out like at Staples Center. There's like a smoking balcony like on the concourse. You go out and smoke. And, in the, and after the Stanley Cup final was over, I forget which one it was. The Kings won. That both. was the 2015 one. Uh, but they but they won two. I, did they win both of them at home? I, whatever one it was, I remember. Two, no, it was 2014. I, they, the, I is is the one I think you're because that one they won at home. Oh yeah, and they beat the Devils in Game Six at home too. So they won both. But it doesn't matter. But the point is, is just the Kings won the cup. And I remember sitting out on the patio, like the arena was empty. We had just got done working, and there was like a post game like media drinking type of thing. And I remember sitting out on the on the ledge with Craig Custance. And suddenly, like, a party bus pulled up outside, and, like, Dustin Brown and, like, a couple of the Kings guys, like, they were in, like, regular clothes, and they loaded the cup onto the bus. And I was like, man, taking the cup out in L.A., that's going to be pretty freaking cool. And then I thought, wait a second, taking the cup out in Vegas, a city that does not close ever? Yeah. Like, people are going to die. Like, people are not going to survive that night, man. Like, there's no – like, can you imagine if Alex Ovechkin, after waiting 32 years of his life – because when he was one month old, he wanted the cup for sure – 32 years of his life, he's waited for this moment, and then he has it in Vegas. Like, people, uh, are, people are going to lose millions in casinos. It's going to be amazing. Wouldn't this be, just be, like, the most NHL story ever is to have, like, you know, the Stanley Cup goes to Vegas, and everyone loves it, and, you know, the Golden Knights win the Stanley Cup on home ice, and then, like, you wake up the next morning, and it's, like, Marc-Andre Fleury assaulted a security guard at a casino. <laughs> Hit him over the head with the Stanley Cup. Four four members of the Golden Knights uh, had alcohol poisoning and uh, remain in hospital, and it's a huge scandal, and the league is disgraced. Do it anyways, guys. I, I love that. Like the, the the possible cities now for the Stanley Cup post game celebration is a city that doesn't close and a city that's mass transit shuts down at like ten thirty. Like yeah, it's just one of the hopefully. other. Hopefully, some shady foreign government will pay to keep the uh, keep the subway open, but. Uh, let's see. Let's do one more. Let's do one more question to get the hell out of here. Mitch Mitch has things to do. He doesn't need to hang out with us all day. Um, I don't know. Did you see any questions that you you like to do? Or- well, let's uh, let's throw this one out because this uh, th- this is you got one. Oh no, I was saying if you got one. Addicted to hockey says, would John Tavares sign a short term max deal? Yeah, that's a good question. And he says he he says three years, forty eight million. So that that would be sixty million a year, for example. Uh, you make over half of what he get for seven years and hit UFA again when he's still in his prime. I, I'm not thinking a three-year deal. It, I'm, you know, I, I've, I've been beating this drum out kind of off and on for a little while now. I, I think free agents should. I understand why they default to wanting the max length deal, but I think signing short deals, one or two-year deals. I mean, that's what LeBron James does, and he seems like a pretty bright guy. Kirk Cousins was doing it. He's he's got the craziest yeah. contract in NFL history now. He's yeah. Kirk Cousins. I mean, if you're if you're John Tavares and you or or even like I I feel like maybe Tavares is is at such a high level already with his perception that maybe it just makes sense for him to cash in as much as he can. But a guy like John Carlson, why not sign? You know, if if it's out there, you know, you're going to get eight years. You know, let's say eight or nine million, maybe coming off this season, you can sign somewhere one year, 16 million. You become the highest paid player in NHL history, have a decent season, hit free agency again next year. You can, you can re up with your current team. If you like it there, if not, you hit the market again, you've already banked enough money that, you know, if you, if you can, if the same deal is out there, you make, you've, you've come out way ahead. Even if the same deal isn't out there, you're still probably okay. But 
you know, just the, the psychology of hitting free agency and saying, I'm the highest paid player in NHL history. So you better come with a really good offer if you want to lock me in on an eight year deal. I feel like, you know, there's some risk, obviously, if you had an injury or something like that. But in terms of if you wanted to maximize your your dollars, plus maximize just your power as a player, that's the the road that you want to take. I'm surprised more guys don't do it. I'm surprised basically no guys have, I mean, Marion Hosa, I think was the kind of the one guy who intentionally took a short-term deal so that he'd yeah. have control over a situation. But even that was more trying to fit in on the team he wanted to go to. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I'm, I'm no expert, but if it's good enough for LeBron, it seems like, you know, that'd be something worth looking at. See, I, I, I like the Hosa example because he took a one-year deal. I forget what the cap hit was at that point, but it was like seven. I don't or eight. think it was high. Yeah, like, like, I, I don't think it was huge because because he, he wanted to win the cup. He wanted to yeah, play he for wanted Detroit, to go to Pittsburgh. Detroit, and they didn't have room on you know to do a long term thirteen year deal or whatever he wound up wound up getting. Because you got to pay you got to pay Tomas Holmstrom and Johan Franz and big bucks yeah. before yeah, you yeah. Detroit, Marianne, the Detroit Red Wings don't hand out long term <laughs> deals. <laughs> but but going back to your point though, like I like the idea for sure because it's not my body. I'm putting at risk with a brain injury or a severe you know neck or knee injury, but. Instead of doing one and sixteen, do the Hosa thing. Go to Nashville, build the super team that Dave Lozo at ViceSports.com slash Nashville Super Team is what Dave Lozo thinks they should do. That HTML, you go there for one year and four million, one there and one year and six million, and you try and win the cup with Nashville, which maybe isn't the best. Well, thing and, anymore, and but... you know, part of this is you know I, I'm I'm coming at this not from a completely unbiased angle because the team that could best accommodate this sort of deal mm-hmm. this year is the Maple Leafs. Yeah, I'd... they have a ton of cap room. They could easily offer either one of those guys a max a max contract like you know the full 20 percent of the salary cap come for one year try to win a stanley cup and then you know either maybe on january 1st you can renegotiate we can do an extension or maybe not maybe you go on somewhere else but if it, you know even if it's not the leafs like tampa tampa doesn't have a ton of cap room but they've got kucherev coming up next year so they've kind of got a one-year window you want to go you know, if you're John Taveras, apparently him and Steven Stamkos are buddies. Maybe that wouldn't be a bad place to land for mm-hmm. one year. Go chase a cup and then, you know, and then see what happens. Maybe you love it there or maybe you don't. Or maybe you just keep signing, you know, like I know we we kind of talked about this with Connor McDavid. Like if, if Connor McDavid wanted to, you know, forget about maximizing your money because I know it's, you know, that's not the only factor these guys worry about. But, you know, if he had just done, said, you know what, I want to sign a one-year deal every year for the next eight years. He would have mm-hmm. made tens of millions of dollars more easily because in five years, you know, paying Connor McDavid $12 million is going to seem just so ridiculous. So, yeah, I mean, I, I know there's other factors and I know there's the security. And, you know, injury isn't that big a factor because you, you just go and put take a chunk of that money, put it in a big insurance policy that that, you know, pays you you know, $80 million right. if you suffer a career-ending injury. I mean, you know, I, I know it's it's easy to sit here and say that, you know, the risk should be manageable. And I know a lot of these guys, they just don't want to think about this stuff. They don't like being free agents. They don't like having to worry about their contract. Give me an eight-year deal and I never have to think about this again. But I got to say, like, you know, if, if, if I was an agent, I'd be sort of suggesting to guys that, hey, maybe there's another way to do this other than just, figuring out, you know, talking to the three teams that are willing to give you an eight-year deal and trying to maximize your value with them. Well, on that note, um, we can probably do the Henrik versus Daniel debate now because we – hold on. 
Oh, I'm told we're out of time. We actually got to go. We're we so close this week to actually getting to it, but yeah. we'll do it next week. Of, we'll do it next week. We made a lot of notes for that. Okay. <sighs> I know. You, uh, the, your, your, your one point was so good that we talked about in the pre-show thing, but whatever. We have, we got we have, we have another month of the season. We can, we can we get gotta, to it later. It's fine. We got to really work on our timing on this stuff. Yeah. We keep running out of time, even though we went long this week. <laughs> um, so that's it. Vice Biscuits, Sports Biscuits, Hockey Biscuits, a podcast biscuits we're done uh so i don't know i think we've already promoted all the stuff we're gonna write this week i think i, think I, have, an Ove- I think I have an ovechkin thing that just went up while we were talking but maybe it's not up yet i don't know it'll be up by the time you hear this so i got season read. preview coming up i just had something go up on Sportsnet on sort of the some of the lessons we can learn from vegas and conventional wisdom we should probably start questioning so check that out and i don't know fingers crossed it's not a guarantee but I'm hoping that by next week's show, I may have a major announcement. So I will tease that Ooh. and we'll kind of let it hang there. Mm-hmm. And then when it doesn't happen, Even I don't we'll know just ignore it Tuesday. Even I don't know what it is. Interesting. So we'll let that. You can just feel the Are you doing excitement. a podcast without me? Are you doing a podcast with Merrick? Is that what this is going to no. be? Dave, I wouldn't go and do a podcast with somebody else. Come on. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we'll, we'll be back Tuesday next week for sure. And then game six would be Sunday. And then game seven would be Wednesday. So you guys know how it works. We'll see how that series goes. And then we'll we'll see you, we'll see you back here on Tuesday, though, next week. So stick around, and, and thanks for reading the podcast. See ya. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.